You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Championships. 27 SEC titles. 131 first-team All-Americans. 70 postseason appearances. 39 postseason victories. This is Alabama football. And this is Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hour from six until seven. Martin Houston, Coach Martin Houston, coaching high school football, uh, coaching his son at Northridge. Uh, one of the assistant coaches with that great staff. And uh, I was looking at that staff a couple of minutes ago. That looks like a Nick Saban staff. That photo that uh, Martin shared on the side of the Facebook. So uh, Martin's going to be absent for a few weeks, and we're going to cover for him, and we'll get things continued here. If you want to jump into this conversation, it's the same number: two zero five three four two. 9904-205-342-9904, and uh, your chance to be a part of the conversation. When you look back at Alabama football, the Pats came clicking yesterday for the first time here in Tuscaloosa, and Nick Saban even explained that he's almost conducted the early part of camp very similar to a spring practice getting a lot of fundamentals, trying to find a way to make sure uh, that his team is ready to go for this 10-game SEC schedule. Can Alabama go undefeated? Can anybody go undefeated? I think that's still the number one question that we've asked multiple times uh, throughout this offseason, especially when the two additional games came in. And even though it was Kentucky and even though it was the Missouri Tigers in 32 days away, uh, can Alabama still try to find a way to go this undefeated? It's not the over a challenge that I thought that maybe a Florida or maybe they could line up the schedule in a little different way. It's not a, it's not impossible, but it's going to be very, very hard for Alabama to go undefeated. I think it's going to be very hard for anybody to go undefeated. We had Brad Edwards on yesterday, and one of the conversations was 13, 13 teams ranked in the top 13 all from the SEC. In other words, the first 13 teams on the strength of schedule is all from the University of Alabama. The only team ranked outside of the top 13 is Florida at number 16. And he named like Kansas State and somebody else uh, there. Uh, Arkansas has got the level uh, strength of schedule is number one of the country, but 12 other teams from the SEC. So 13 total teams, uh, 14 total, but 13 Ranked in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 teams uh, from the SEC as far as level of difficulties there uh, in the conversation. Let's go to Nick Saban's opening comments because Nick Saban said a lot in a short amount of time. I love when Nick Saban brings that message in that locker room and he talks and he presents his side of the story, right? He motivates it. He uses it to grab the attention of his players. But then when you listen to Nick Saban backing up a couple of minutes, pretend that you're in that locker room and listen to the messages that are with the first message. Nick Saban walks in, and if you've ever been in a press room or you've ever watched it on uh, YouTube or you can watch it on our Tide YouTube account, he walks in and he has a piece of paper and he has a couple of bullet points that he wants to go through. Listen to the amount of material that Nick Saban covers in the opening couple of minutes. This is uh, the best coach in college football's opening comments here in Tuscaloosa. Well, I hope everybody's, you know, safe and uh, really doing the right things to keep you and your family safe out there. Um, We have a lot of great supporters at the University of Alabama, so we'd certainly like to keep all those folks um, 
to be good supporters for us in the future. Um, you know, we just kind of put pads on for the first time today. I think the acclimation period is certainly a positive, you know, for players when it comes to, um, you know, you got two days in just a helmet, two days in shoulder pads, and then today was the first day in pads. Uh, I thought our players responded and reacted to it pretty well. Um, you know, obviously the most important thing at this time of the year is how many guys can we develop to play winning football uh, on this football team. And I think probably more than ever, uh, the depth of your team, the experience of your team um, is critical uh, because, you know, we may have more issues from a personnel standpoint uh, just by the nature of where we are than maybe what we've had in the past. Even though, you know, all of our efforts are to keep our players safe. Um, but, you know, this all comes down to uh, everybody's personal discipline uh, to sort of manage their bubble. Uh, we don't have a lot of issues when the players are here. They all wear masks. We practice social distancing. They stay separated in meetings. Uh, we keep them arm's length apart on the field uh, as much as possible. Um, it's okay when you leave here. Uh, what kind of decision do you make in your own personal bubble uh, because that probably is the biggest challenge for us and that comes to everybody's personal discipline to make the kind of choices and decisions that uh, they won't have issues because I think this is everybody's personal choice. I think you know we had the Surgeon General you know speak to the team on Monday uh, and he said what I'm saying loud and clear you know to the players. Uh, you manage this for the safety of your family. You manage the safety of yourself in terms of how you practice all these things. So uh, that's an opponent that we have to deal with uh, that I think is an important one uh, for player safety. Uh, and that's something that we've uh, certainly, I think, done a really good job of. I think our medical staff, Jeff Allen and his staff of folks, our doctors have done a really good job. I think the SEC Medical Task Force has done a really good job, you know, in all those areas. Um, so we've had a lot of heavy installations so far on the field. Uh, this is very challenging to young players. Uh, but I think that the 10-day, well, we had 10 days. We used 10 days where we could have sort of a mini-camp type of, you know, atmosphere um, where we had six hours a week on the field, six hours in meetings. Uh, I think those walkthroughs were very beneficial in helping the young players, you know, understand. I think all the Zoom calls that we had, you know, help them gain an understanding. So um, they're picking it up on the field a little quicker and with a little better understanding uh, than maybe what they normally would because we've had so many so-called chalk talks, walkthroughs, those types of things that um, I think have really enhanced their development. Uh, I think one other thing that's really important on every team is, uh, and I talked to our team about this the other day, is you now what kind of humility do you have as a person and as a competitor? Uh, because people who have humility, you know, are always working to get better. Uh, people who don't have humility are always looking for ways to think that I'm entitled to not have to do what everybody else does. And I think when you have that, it's hard to develop team chemistry. Uh, and I think it's hard to have your best players uh, be the best competitors on your team. Uh, and we've obviously had two opportunities, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan, the last two years that our players have had the opportunity to talk to that – uh, they were very loud and clear on the fact that uh, they were never satisfied. Uh, they were, had lots of humility. Uh, they always respected their opponent, and they were working hard to uh, get better uh, every day. And I think that's really, really important. But, uh, you know, when you don't have humility, it uh, can cause a little complacency, which creates a blatant disregard for not doing what's right uh, because you feel like you're entitled to something, and that's not good for team chemistry. Uh, obviously, we'll work hard for the rest of this week. Um, we're kind of doing these first two weeks like spring practice, so we're practicing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, it gives us a good chance to teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, and still be within the 20-hour you know, sort of work week uh, to try to get these guys ready to uh, go out into scrimmage on Saturday so that we can evaluate and see how, especially some of the younger players, um, if they're mature enough to go out there and compete when the coach is not standing right behind them, you know, kind of helping them along. So um, that, that's kind of the next step of, you know, what we'd really, you know, like to do. And I know you're probably going to ask me about, you know, what the mayor uh, did today. And, look, you know, th th this stuff is about people. 
Uh, people are affected in a lot of ways. It's not just about football. So for people to make the right choices and decisions, to wear their masks, to do the things when they're out publicly, uh, respect the rules, respect the virus, that's important. And when people don't do that, I guess there's consequences. And uh, those people that make those decisions certainly know more about it than me. You know, I feel bad for the business owners and the people who are affected by this, um, you know, in a negative way, uh, not the people who uh, really don't have the personal discipline to do things the way they're supposed to do it. So Nick Saban giving us plenty to talk about there, the opening couple of minutes there as he walks in. And really the same message that the players get uh, is the same message that we get inside that media room. So a lot of times that you can hear the Nick Saban tone, that he brings into that press room is the same tone that we just heard a couple of minutes. And, you know, John Parker Wilson was kind of explaining to us the the message that Nick Saban shares. It, it's where he feels like that he needs to, to grab his team, the attention. Uh, maybe there's something that they uh, have not done quite well or maybe up to the standard that he's talking about. And, and if you look at this football team, we're hearing a lot of great, things coming out of T-Town. Everybody that I've spoken to, it just seems to be there's something different out there. And I think there's a lot to be said for being able to do it in the current time that we live in right now. Because how easy is it for all of us to be distracted with everything? I mean, we do it right here on this show for four hours. Uh, You know, it's easy to talk about everything that's happening, you know, the frustration with this darn mask or uh, the frustration with, with just, you know, living life. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, even Nick Saban, you listen to him talking about the mayor, talking about uh, not that he was negative, talked about the businesses. It's easy right now because the crossroads of, of life and sports and COVID and mask and politics the election year it's it's easy to fall into that right i mean it's it's an intersection is very close so think about the players right now what they're doing to bust their butt to get ready to go out and to make a wrong a right uh to go out and look at last year and say well we didn't accomplish our goals we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish we we didn't we didn't accomplish what we wanted to accomplish so we're going to try to find a way to make this correct in 2020. And to be able to, to bust their butt throughout uh, this offseason, to be able to go through the different workouts, to get ready and, and all the distractions and not allow that to focus, I just think that says a lot about this football team. And I think that if, if, if we do have a season, this team is going to be hard to handle just simply because they've been through some – everybody's been through adverse times. But it just seems like the level of focus around this team, when you hear good things now, because I think it would be very easy to hear a lot of things of of the negative side of this. Well, they're not focused. They're not doing what they need to do. They're not, you know, coaches. But, but some way, whether it's just the escape, somehow this team has been focused and locked in. I know it's early. But I think it's a good sign as we're about a 10, 11, 12 days uh, into fall camp. We'll talk about it. We'll continue. 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904. Right here on the game. We're going to replay an interview coming up in about 15 minutes. I know you guys are going to love it because you guys have requested over and over and over. And we'll do that as we continue right here on Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my home. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hangman is coming down from the gallows, and I don't have very long. All right, coming up in about 10 minutes, we're going to replay Herschel Walker. And it's a conversation that I had a chance to catch up with one of the greats in SEC college football history, three time All American and UGA 
And it really goes with everything that's happening right now in the current climate. And hearing from a guy uh, who we heard from live, you guys have requested it. Y'all said replay that at some point, and we're going to do that coming up around 6.30. So we're going to replay Herschel Walker in about 10 minutes. You've got a chance to tell any of your friends to go and listen to the app. Go tune on Tide 100.9 on the HD side of things or the FM side or the app or the listening devices. And we're going to replay Herschel Walker coming up at 6.30 here on Alabama Tradition. We've had a lot of fun today uh, when we mix the game and the bonus hour here. So I go back to a couple things that I I want to talk about. And I'd like to go back to to Nick Saban and, and one of the things that he said because we talk about $165 million the University of Alabama brings in. And I may be off for a, a little bit, but they bring in north of 150 How about that? We'll say north of 150 College football, the loss of college football, and the impact that it's going to make when, when you think about this game and – not being able to play, not having you know a small capacity of fans, twenty uh, percent. Think about it. Look, look, look at the the impact that it's going to be able to 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 make uh, from generating revenue. So we look at Nick Saban, and, and one of the things that he said in the final couple of minutes was, "What's well, for the players?" And it is for the players. And I thought Nick Saban handled this question quite well. Uh, this is the final question of the press conference, and Nick Saban talks about how this playing this season creates value from 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 a player's per standpoint and, and for others. Listen to what Nick Saban is talking about. Well, I, I don't think you know we'd have a hundred and one thousand people coming to the games if it wasn't important to them. Um, I think a lot of people have a lot of pride, you know, in their institutions. Um, all over the Southeast Conference and all over the country. Uh, I think um, people love football in the Southeast. Um, I, I think whether it's high school football where, you know, sort of, you know, that can be the social center of the community. Um, I know that sports tied our town together when I was growing up in, you know, Monongo, West Virginia. The last guy turned the lights out because everybody went to the game. Everybody went to the football game on Friday night. Everybody went to the basketball games. I mean, they closed the pool room. They closed MEFs where we used to play pinball and they played cards all night. All right, so they closed all those places because everybody went to the game. So why is that so important to people? They love sports. People identify with competition. Uh, A lot of the principles and values that make you a good player, you know, in sports, whether it's uh, pride in performance, personal discipline, uh, your ability to sustain effort and toughness and persevere, overcome adversity. Um, and, you know, but it's been a part of our society since back in the Greek days. Um, so that's why it's important. Uh, now, is it more important than public safety? No, I don't think so. Uh, is there a way that we can do that and keep people safe? I think a lot of people are trying to do that, uh, and if we can do that, I think you know we can play. Uh, if we can't do that, I think somebody will make a decision that maybe we shouldn't play. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't think that we should not try. Right? And I, I really uh, appreciate the fact that we have a lot of people out there working really hard. All right, because this is about the players. All right, when it comes, it's not about. We're, 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 it's not about everybody acts like you know we want to play for the money. We want to play for the players. I want to play for the players. We have a lot of guys on our team that can create a lot of value for themselves by playing this season, uh, and um, we can create a lot of value. And these guys have worked very hard to try to create and accomplish something as a team. Uh, so you know, all those things to me are important to the players, and I want to play for the players. I know it's important to the fans. I love our fans. I love the way they support our team. They're a part of our team. Uh, we want them to continue to be a part of our team in whatever way that they can. Right, but this is really about providing an opportunity for the players if we can do it in a safe way. So Nick Saban talking about, but I believe we owe it to the players to try. Hmm. There's some meat and potatoes there if you want to be able to grab them. 
Uh, Nick Saban never says anything without the benefit of recruiting. And I do think that he truly cares about all 125 players, walk-ons, uh, the scholarship, 85 guys. But it, but I think it's also it, it's it's for that to understand. You know, it's kind of like a, a skipper in baseball. You ever watch a, a skipper go out and get thrown out? And, and he probably knows that the call is, is wrong or, uh, he may even know that the, the, the ump is, is, is correct, right? I mean, he may know that the, uh, the guys is correct, but he goes out there and he takes one for his team and he gets chemistry out of that team and he gets, uh, you know, builds rapport with those teammates. I think that's what Nick Saban was doing and, and I agree with him. But it also gets him uh, more respect for those players, and, and I think that's where that relationship continues to be built. Let's go to Jared in Houston, Texas. Jared, good afternoon. You're in the game. Good afternoon, Mariah. What's going on, buddy? Having a great day, man. I hope you are well. I'm doing great, man. You nailed it right there after that statement um, from, from Nick Saban. You know, these, these, these kids – that come to play football at the University of Alabama, they will run through a brick wall for Nick Saban because he's willing to run through a brick wall for them. And, you know, he's a he's a player's coach, but really not. I mean, he's a tough coach. He's a disciplinarian. But he's also a player's coach because he's constantly trying to teach them and build value in, in their future. And, and that's what a lot of these young recruits see. They want someone that's going to, do what's best for them, not necessarily what's best for the coach or the or the program. They want people that are advocates for their future more so than they are for the team. But and that's but you nailed it. Um, you know, like an um, like a, like a coach jumping out of the dugout, jumping on an umpire, even though he knows the call was the umpire got the call right. Sometimes he'll do that to try and create some steam and some chemistry. I think you totally nailed it right there. Well, I mean, and, and players want to know that a coach has their back. And, and I think Absolutely. Nick Saban uh, is one of those guys. I mean, I've had people tell me, listen, I, I will stand at the gates of you-know-where and defend my coach. And and that relationship is, is tight between yep. those players. And I don't know. I don't know if we often don't see that at times. Yeah, he's – he. although I see, it all, I see it all the time. You know, the, these players – you know, they come back, you know, you, you go to A-Day and you see the, these players returning and you see, you know, the big big SEC matches in the playoff games. You see them on the sidelines. And, you know, you don't see that with other colleges. Not like you do at the University of Alabama. There's liable in a big football game, there's liable to be 15, 20 top-notch return players there standing on the sidelines, plus another 30 or 40 that really didn't really – you know, have a lot of name recognition while they were there. There's there's huge loyalty to Coach Saban because he he fights for him. He'll 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 get he'll get a flag thrown for him. Um, he you know he gives them references down the line to help them with their career. And he he really he he he's a guy that that's going to sell his player to the max. And he's going to give everybody the truth about him. And he's he's uh, there's no question he's a player's coach and. and and every one of those kids in that locker room run through a brick wall for them. There's no question. Hey, Jared, how close would the hurricane uh, entering the uh, your area there? How far would that be away from you? Well, well, if the if the projected path that they have now is is right, it's going to be they're saying around Port Arthur, which is close to the Texas Louisiana line. Port Arthur is probably 35 miles from Lake Charles, maybe 40 miles from Lake Charles. So that's a good uh, 120 miles or so from us. Uh, okay, good. 100 to 120 miles from us. So we're going to be on the clean side if it if it follows the right path that they're saying. We'll be on the okay. clean side of it. And they say once it makes landfall, it's going to make a hard right and cut across Louisiana, northern, you know, northwest Mississippi, maybe up into Tennessee, uh, up Kentucky, up that way. So I don't I don't know what. Uh, Maybe North Alabama might get some rain from it eventually, but but we're 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 supposed to for sure get some rain. Could get a pretty good hurricane if it if it continues west. But right now the path is for it to come in right along that Texas Louisiana border, right in there. Gotcha. Hey Jared, I got I got a replay so, Herschel Walker coming up in a couple of minutes. If you missed it yesterday, it was incredible. 
Yeah, I, I did miss it, so I'm going to be listening intently because I'm very interested in what he has to say. I thought he did it. I thought Herschel knocked it out of the park at the at the RNC last night. So I'm in, very interested in what he has to say. I'll hang up and listen. And let you carry on, brother. Hey, thank you, Brett. Or, or, or thank you, Jared. I'm sorry. Uh, let me get to Brett here. Brett, I've only got about 90 seconds before I got to get to break where I can light up Herschel Walker at the end. It's a lengthy interview. I hope all is well down in Mobile. Yeah, uh, just just avoiding hurricanes, but not coming to us, thank goodness. So uh, we're 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 in good shape. Uh, we're just uh, hoping for uh, football. But are, are we in the bottom of the ninth and last man up to bat? Or I, I I'm so out of place right now. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Somebody no, the first day in pads yesterday on campus. Uh, first day in pads and. You know, I think, uh, like Nick Saban said, I think we owe it to these players to at least try uh, to play the game. What about the Big Ten? Are they going to get back in? No, they're they out. Back yeah, out. Yeah, they're, they're, I know that there was sure? a discussion of restarting, but, yeah, they're they're, they're not going to do it. Uh, Kevin Warren has said, no way, Jose. No way. Not going to happen. Really? No? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I know I just caught on the whim. I just want to say, hey, sorry. Roll Tide. No problem. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll have Brent some Lowe- football wins. Let's connect when we have a little bit more time to talk, man. I'm, I'm yes, thank sir. you for yes, listening sir. down in Mobile. Take care. Thank you. Brett down in Mobile. It's always good to talk with Brett, a uh, longtime listener. I appreciate him for uh, supporting this program and always fun. He's a historian, too. Loves the game of college football and loves the University of Alabama. We'll talk uh, with Herschel Walker. We're going to replay that interview next. Do not go anywhere. It's a great conversation. Herschel Walker replayed next right here on the game. T-Town tied 100.9, the home of Alabama, Crimson Tide Sports. If you think the only... It's also you having a fun. Have some fun, man. Talking Alabama Crimson Tide football on Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Standing in the rain with his head hung low, couldn't get a ticket. It was a soul. All right, we welcome you back in. We've got Herschel Walker replay that we are going to replay coming up in a couple of minutes. I'm live at the Embassy Suites here in Miramar Beach. Uh, it's always a great location. It's been a beautiful day. And I know football, with the limitation of the crowd, I think a lot of people are going to be heading to the beach and watching the games and escaping for a couple of uh, days. And if you are considering this area, make sure you come by the Embassy Suites here, Miramar Beach, and they're always our partner here. Uh, great locations, the premier all-suite uh, right across from the beach, the Gulf of Mexico's emerald water, pristine white beaches. Uh, always talking about food here in Tuscaloosa. I had a place last night to, uh, to go to the Crab Trap. Uh, the Crab Trap was incredible. Uh, they got a couple of locations. you got Destin, got Fort Walton Beach, uh, went with great fish, shrimp, uh, even went with some uh, southern smoked uh, crab dipped. That was incredible. So great locations, Fort Walton Beach and Destin. Uh, I know you guys have been asking me about photos. I put some on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we'll continue the Fowler's Food Tour uh, later this week. So uh, the Crab Trap, awesome place. And even met a uh, super nice Alabama alum, Rachel. Uh, went to Alabama. Nick Saban's first year uh, as national championship year was her final year here at Alabama. And, uh, big roll side out to Rachel, the general manager. A lot of fun to be able to talk with her. Some Alabama football. Herschel Walker, three-time All-American at UGA. Here, our conversation, a replay that happened right here on this program. Oh, I am having a good day, and uh, it's great to be on in Tuscaloosa. I've spent some time there, and uh, you know, I've spent a little bit of time at the University of Alabama. And it was it's great people, very, very good people. Absolutely, and uh, we appreciate uh, you being an ambassador of the game of college football. And I'm curious, as you look back at college football, because I know for for us, we look at it as a a three-and-a-half-hour Saturday afternoon, but what is the greatest uh, lesson college football taught you about Herschel Walker? Well, I I think it taught me togetherness, uh, that we do things as a team. Uh, I remember – first going at the University of Georgia, walking onto the University of Georgia campus and listening to Coach Dooley say, you know, man, uh, if we stay together as a team, 
we play as a team, we do everything as a team, we can win a championship. And that's the way we are in life, that we have to stay as a group, stay as a team, that we'll have our squabbles and fight, but we got to believe in each other and, and we can do some amazing things. You know, Herschel, I look at a football field, and I've talked about this throughout the last uh, 160, 170 days. Uh, our country right now is divided in a lot of different ways. But I look at a football field, it's almost like you don't care about the guy beside you's race. Uh, you don't care about his religion. You, you just have one common goal, either prevent the team from getting across the goal line or you're helping your teammate get across the goal line. I almost wish that we could live like that in our society. Well, that's the way it should be. That's the reason I've said I think they need to take politics out of sports. Just let the athletes go out and play because there's no color, there's no anything that's team. That we are working as a group, you're working as uh, as as togetherness, and that's why you got to remove that the politics. You know, you you know, I love you know my big brother is from Spain, named uh, Francisco Ross, and what's funny, he is just as close to me as my biological brother. And I said, and that's why I met him is through football. You know, football has educated me. Football has done so many great things to me, and, and, and that's what it is, is together. Herschel, when you hear the discussion talking about, you know, all summer, and I, I'm guilty. I'm a part of the media. Unfortunately, the media doesn't have the same term as when you were playing or even 10 years ago. It, it's it's a group of, you know, activists is what I like to use the word instead of journalists. Uh, they're activists, right? They pick a side, and it, it's either one side or the other, and they almost they push it down our, our throat. But all summer we heard how players were afraid to play and didn't want to play. Well, then on that Sunday night when Trevor Lawrence and many other of his teammates, Justin Fields and uh, people here, Najee Harris, and said, no, no, we want to play. And the hashtag began to grow. Hashtag we want to play. Players that jump on a football field, uh, the fear of a virus, respect for it's one thing, but but to hear the, the word fear is something that I don't think these players really have. Well, you know, I don't know whether it's, it's fear that they don't have or is it knowing that uh, they're in an environment with a team. They're in a, a controlled environment, which is I think people need to look at that. This is a positive thing for the athletes. You're going to be with some of the finest doctors of any great university, and then you're also going to be in, a, in, in like an environment that is controlled. You know, not that you're going to be at home or in uh, things in this chaotic country as we are today. You're in an environment where you can you're 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 on a constant checking, and you have you know at the University of Georgia they they scan you before you even come on the field, and then you're being checked like twice a week. And you know what kind of care you know you can never get anything like that at home. And I think the players understand that, and they know that. I think at first. It was more of the, uh, you know, the pressure, the pressure from the outside and talking about uh, everything. But as the football season got closer, I think the guys realized we want to play. You know, you can get injured in a lot of things. You know, for a concussion, been going for how long? They've been talking about concussion, but yet we still play. They don't even know the after effect of a concussion, but yet we still play it. And right now, you know, different scientists say different things. But right now, my thing is let the athlete decide what they want to do. If you have one that do not want to play, he don't have to play. Let him keep his scholarship, but he don't have to play. But the ones that want to play, give them the opportunity to play. Don't take that away from them. Herschel, would you look at a limitations in crowd? Here in Tuscaloosa, we're going to be about a 20% capacity. I look at that fourth game between Alabama and Georgia – you know, not saying it will be easier because when you play in this league, nothing's easy. But do you think it will be somewhat, uh, you know, the level of difficulty for Georgia to come into Bryant Denny Stadium with 20% crowd uh, maybe won't impact the game? How do you see it impacting the game? Well, you know, I think it will change a little because you're saying 20% will be in the in the stadium. But you got to remember also uh, when you start talking about it, you got to give some of the tickets to Georgia. And I think the crowd plays a big, big part. You know, when you're out there playing, you know, the crowd noise and how you have to alter your signal and different things like that. So it's going to be a little bit different. But I think in these times you want to make it different. But I think for an athlete, 
I don't think it's really going to matter because I think they're going to get out there and they're going to play hard. They want to win. And, uh, you know, they they you know, they're two great, great teams in the SEC with Alabama and Georgia class, clashing again. It's going to be, I think, absolutely incredible. Herschel, I'd like for you to spend a couple of uh, seconds here talking. And a couple of minutes, take your time. I mean, I, I'm in no rush if I have to p- uh, pick up on breaks, uh, connect those a little bit later. But you're in part of a, a lot of different things that, that you're involved in. And I know you're going to be speaking on a national platform later today, and, and we can talk about that. But but I kind of want to dive into some other things that you're talking about with your Patriot organization. Can you tell us more for the average person out there that says, okay, I know Herschel Walker as a – all-American uh, Heisman Trophy winning running back and one of the SEC legends, but you're involved in other things outside of sports. Tell us more. Uh, yes, you know, I, I got into the food business about uh, almost 20 years ago, so I uh, became a, uh, a uh, in the protein, and I do chicken. I'm like a small little Tyson, where we sell okay. in the food service arena, which has been very interesting with COVID going on right now, so we pivoted out to do a little bit of retail as well. We sell to distributors like Cisco and U.S. Foods and to a lot of, like, different restaurants all over the United States. So I've been very fortunate there. And also about 12 years ago, you know, when I wrote a book on dissociative identity disorder, so about 12 years ago I started working with something called the Patriot Support, where I go to a military base almost every three weeks. I was at a base somewhere in the world where I was trying to remove that stigma of mental health from uh from uh from the, our military service men and women they are true heroes and and so I was trying to tell them that there's no shame to ask for help and uh, also the president uh people don't know that the president and I we've been friends for a long long time so tonight I'm going to be speaking at the, the uh, RNC uh tonight and I just want people to know President Trump appointed me a co-chairman of the President Fitness Council which I work with Health and Human Services but I just wanted people to know the type of man he was. You know, I've known him almost 37 years. I've known President Trump. You know, I've eaten at his house. I've been to almost everything that uh, he's done. And what's so interesting about it is, you know, uh, he's been called every name in the book. One of the worst names he's been called was racist. Well, you know, I, I'm, uh, I think I'm an African-American. I think I'm a black guy. And, and I've been his friend for 37 years. And not one time has that president ever asked me to speak on his behalf. But and I and I said, President Trump, I want to speak on your behalf. I want people to know the type of guy you you really you really are. And so I'm going to be end up doing that. So uh, so my arena has changed so much. But I, I think I've been blessed. You know, when I started out, uh, I didn't start out wanting to go to college. I wanted to go to the military. I thought I was blessed to go to the military. But my mom told me, if your mind and your heart is pure to Lord Jesus, it really don't matter about your decision. Go, God will make it right for you. I end up flipping a coin. I flipped the coin to the side uh, whether to go to the military or go to college. Then I flipped the coin to the side of my college. And I will say that God has been so good to me. You know, we're in, a, we're in the greatest, greatest country in the world, the United States of America. And, and I'm speaking out for it. Uh, I'm speaking out uh, against anyone that say anything bad about the United States of America, about our anthem, about our flag, because that's what this country was built on. This country was built on law and order. I believe in law and order. There's no doubt we can make things better, but the way we make it better is by communicating. And that's what I've been telling people. We make it better by communicating, by following the rules that we have. We go into it and we make our leader be responsible. We be responsible for what you're doing and we be accountable. I'd like for you to go back, and I've got several things that I want to ask you about that. Um, going back to your Patriot organization, if, if folks want to get involved with, with what you're doing at these military bases, uh, tell, tell us how we can we can get more involved and, and learn more about There's no way that we can cover everything in a 15-minute conversation, but if people want to go read about it and, and, and understand what you're trying to accomplish, where can they get more information? Well, they can get more information at UHS, University Health Services, and that's out of King of Preston, Pennsylvania. And they have a program called Patriot Support. They're the largest behavioral health hospital in the world. And uh, what we do is, uh, and they can they can read a little bit more about that. I go into a base, and, you know, I wrote a book on the social identity disorder about, and people said, Hershey's lost his mind, Hershey's this, Hershey's that. And what it was, as a little kid, I was bullied. As a little kid, I used to have a speech impediment. I was overweight, and I was bullied a little bit. And I used that uh, anger that I had as a coping mechanism through athletics. 
Well, when I was getting ready to get out of athletic, now that coping mechanism is going to be in my house. Well, you, we have young military servicemen and women that go to these these incredible, weird places that they have to do some incredible things for the United States of America. And some of them can handle that. Some of them can't. And those that can't handle it, sometimes they're called all types of names. But I'm one of the people to try to help them to realize that they're normal. I'm one of the ones to try to help them to realize that, you know, using alcohol or using drugs or using anger is only a coping mechanism because you don't want to use the problems you're going through because I went through it. You know, I went to a home in, uh, in California to help me with what I was going through. I never drank before in my life, never taken a drug, but I had a mental problem. Uh, I didn't understand it. I couldn't believe it because, you know, I was valedictorian in my class. I've done all these great things, but I ended up having a problem that I had to deal with. So to deal with that, I ended up going to a hospital and getting out of that hospital. I've done some amazing things by having uh, uh, my faith with the Lord Jesus Christ, having him to be my faith and my foundation, that I was able, as I was falling, he was able to catch me. And as he was catching me, he told me that just because uh, he's helped me doesn't mean everything is over. I'm supposed to reach back and help other people. So that's what I'm doing, and that's how they can get involved, is going to UHS University Health System out of King of Preston, Pennsylvania, and Googling uh, Patriot Support, and you will see the program that I'm a part of. And Herschel Walker is also very active on the Twitter side of things, too, and he voices his opinion. And you can also follow him at Herschel Walker. It's straight up there, uh, Herschel Walker. You you mentioned that you supported uh, President Trump. I'm curious the amount of criticism that you get for that. Uh, I'm also uh, a a supporter, and, and sometimes it's almost like you're in this current time that we live in, that if you say that you're a supporter, uh, there's all sorts of, you know, uh, attachments, names, things that are attached to your name. And, and it's like, well, I don't endorse everything he does. Uh, but I think the majority of the last three and a half years have been pretty positive for this country. Well, you know, that's one of the things that uh, people don't realize is that, you know, President Trump, you know, he tweets and, and a lot of different things. But it's not what he tweets, it's what, he, what he's doing. What he's done for this country is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I've called and you know, it's funny because sometimes people call me, there's a Hershey, you're a coon because you support Donald Trump. And I said, wow, that's a great name because you may not realize, you know, I grew up in a country. A coon is a very smart animal. So it may be somebody else you need to call me because a coon is one of the smartest animals out there. So that's a good thing because I said, I want to tell truth. The truth is, is that the United States of America is the greatest country in the world. And, you know, God has taken the United States of America and he put white people in it. He put African-American in it. He put Asian people in it. He put Italian people in it. He put Jewish people in it. He put all these different ethnicities in this bowl and he stirred us up. And what he came out with is something very, very beautiful, which was the United States of America, that we need to get along. You know, everything that's going on in the country is not President Trump's fault. It's been going on in this country for a long time. This man has done some amazing things. People don't even want to mention about the things he was doing. You know, you, you talk about the historical black colleges that people say, oh, you know, President Obama, he was going to do that. You're right. He was going to do it, but he didn't do it. You talk about the prison reform. Oh, President Obama, he thought about that. He, he thought about it, but he didn't do it. And I said, what President Trump has done has absolutely been amazing. And I tell you one thing, and I tell people, don't take it from Herschel Walker. Do your own education. Study. Go see what he's done. And I said, you will be totally shocked because when you look at politicians, and I'm going to say some of them, some of them will tell you all these things they're going to do. They get into office, you don't see any of them done. Think back when President Trump ran for office. The things he said he was going to do, he's been out there trying to do it. What can you ask better from a president than someone like that? And who can you ask to love the United States of America better than the president of the United States of America? Don't do by his tweet. Don't go by his tweet. Go by what he does. And I said, that's when you can see that this guy is a leader for the United States of America. And I said, I'm going to speak truth because uh, I'm not being mean against anyone. But when a country, when one side do not want to mention the Lord Jesus Christ, when one side don't want to mention God, I don't want to be a side of that. I don't want to be on that side because if you're not going to let God into that house, I don't want to go in either. And I've heard things that I just can't believe that some sides say you're supposed to be a leader. You're supposed to think about law and order because I know in our military oath, they say I would defend the United States foreign and domestic. 
Well, if you become a, a public official in the Congress or in Washington and as a senator, one of the oaths you take would I would defend the Constitution of the United States of America, foreign and domestic. Well, one of the articles in the Constitution talks about law and order. And that's what we need right now, law and order. And then and talking about defunding the police. Are you serious talking about defunding the police? And I said, guys, when you want to win the Super Bowl, you don't go out and defund your team. You go out and add money to the team. You don't defund the police. What you do is you give them better training. You give them understanding. And that's how you make things better, by we sitting down communicating. We are a country that was built on laws. We are a country that have a, a justice system in place. And we have to respect that. You know, sometimes it may go against you, but that's the way it is. It goes against you, but you respect that. And I think that's what we need to get back to. Herschel, I, I, I got a couple of minutes. I don't want to run you late for anything else, but I got a final couple of questions here if you've got time. Yes, sir. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, earlier your support of the military. Uh, right now we're watching a lot of athletes, and I, I – I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, uh, I, and I know you, you You had two stints there, and uh, I, I remember just following your, your playing days there. But but I see so many athletes taking the political side of it, kneeling. What's your reaction to athletes? Not that their voice doesn't deserve to be heard. I'm just not sure we're taking the right approach. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I don't think they're taking the right approach either. Uh, you know, it's sad to me that they're kneeling. And, you know, I've, I've said at the very beginning that, guys, I love for everyone. We get together, we communicate about this, and we take it to the Hill. We take it to Washington. What can be a bigger voice than athletes going to Washington together as a group? Because I guarantee we can change things. Right now, by we kneeling, I think we're separating the people. In the Bible, it do not talk about separation. It talk about togetherness. And as they're kneeling, my my thing is is what do what do you, what do you want? And you know, I I hate to say you know, they, and commissioners in the in the in the league, you see where the commissioners is talking about putting BLM here, putting BLM there, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, BLM the organization stands for what? Maybe the the what your BLM is different, but the organization stands for something totally different. How can you put that on a player? You're putting pressure on a player now because some players may not believe in what the commissioner telling you you got to believe in. And now you're separating the team. And you talk about separation. That's not what you're supposed to do. This is a team. I feel that what they should have done is said you go to all their teams and let them meet with the coaches, the players, the front office, and they decide what they like to do. And once they decide that as a team, then they go out and do it. That's what the commissioner should have done and not just put it on one person to do it. Because I think kneeling is, I think, to me, it's disrespectful because we can communicate. We're not a country that if you are – if you don't believe in something and you say this, you come up missing. We're a country where you can communicate. You can tell someone. You can put someone in office to represent you on your agenda that you have. And that's why I keep telling people as well, we've been doing this for a long time. You're right. But we never had no one in office to take our agenda to do what you want done. And not just kneeling, not just protesting. You know, and you have violent protests. You have good protests. You have this. You have that. As of right now, guys, we've got to come together. We need to come together in the greatest country in the world. Come together as, as as we are and get this thing done. You know, they've had hearings in Washington over the last couple of weeks. Have they had one hearing over the situation that's going on in these communities? Have they had? No, they haven't. Because it seems like they sit back and want people to go to this voting booth in an emotional decision. How in the world can you ask someone to make an emotional decision voting for the most powerful man in the world? And I said, that's what this is seeming like some people want to happen. Well, I don't. I want people to understand that we have a great country. We are a great country. And let's not throw it away. You know, we, we can get together with people and we can change things. And we can, we can do it as together, not separate. Herschel, final question. I've, I've listened to 
20 minutes of you sitting here talking. Uh, you've mentioned your faith multiple times. Uh, I'm also uh, not ashamed of, of my faith in Jesus Christ. I talk about it here often. Who, who helped you guide your spiritual side of that? Who, who do you pay uh, respect to that, that maybe instilled those Christian values in you? Uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate that I had my mom and dad, and I had a family that grew up in the church. And, you know, uh, as I said, I, I remember when I was 16, I left home uh, early because I was traveling a lot, and my mom gave me this old King James Bible. And she said, my nickname is Bo. So we see Bo Jackson, tell Bo Jackson, he's trying to take my name, but my nickname is Bo. And she said, Bo, you know, as long as you got Jesus with you, you're never alone. And she was 100% correct. You know, I've traveled all over the world, and as long as I had Jesus with me, I was okay. And right now, I, I just I just say I credit my mom and dad for giving me that foundation that I have something to fall back on that when I get that I don't think I can make it no more. I look up toward heaven and I know he can do it, that he can do some things that's absolutely amazing. And I think that's what we need to get back to right now. That's why it hurt me when I was Googling one night and I saw someone holding a BLM sign up, burning the Holy Bible, burning a flag and burning a cross. And I said, no, 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 we have to stop this. This is not the country we are. We need to stop this right now. We need leaders in Washington to call what it is what it is. We need leaders in Washington to say, no, we're not going to do that, people. This is not how we act, people. And we got to now elect the president. And so we need to put the right person in, in, in office that can do that. And like I said, I'm not going to tell you who that is. I want people to decide for themselves. Because what I want you to do, though, is look at who's for law and order. Look at who's going to change things. Look at who's been in office forever and never have done anything. And that's what I tell people is I said, you know, I, it is interesting to me that right now they don't want God to come in the house, as I said. Well, if God is not in that house, how can he change anything? So I do want Jesus in the house. I mean. Your Dixie Football Pride, Crimson Tide, Crimson Tide, Roll Tide. It's time for some.